MYP fam, welcome to another episode. And today's with Kevin from the Jury Room Podcast. And it's the first time that we're having a true crime or even maybe even a nonfiction podcast here on the show. But I thought it was important to bring one of these creators on because it's such a big part of the podcast industry. And frankly, marketing a narrative or a true crime, or in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have Jack Reciter from the Darknet Diaries. But marketing a narrative show is a little different than marketing a business podcast or a health and fitness show or even a comedy podcast. And Kevin talks about some cool things that he's been able to do to help grow his show. And one of them is feed drops. And it's actually something we haven't talked a lot about on this show, if at all. So stick around. We're going to get into that in a little bit. But if you are looking for some more ways to grow your show, I just put together some of my favorite tools and articles, along with a few PDFs that can help you get going. So if you want some of my favorite podcast marketing resources, go to www.amplifymedia.com access. And that's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y media.com access. And you can get all the free downloads there. Once again, thanks for being a part of the MYP fam. Let's get into today's episode with Kevin from the Jury Room Podcast. Kevin, welcome to the Marketing Your Podcast show. And we are here with Kevin, the host of the Jury Room Podcast. And I don't know if he would necessarily consider himself a true crime show because I was listening to his show before and I think he brings a lot of humor to at least the shows that I was listening to were, were, were kind of making light a little bit of some really kind of heinous things. And so without you know further ado, thanks, thanks Kevin, for, for being with us today. First of all, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. My show isn't necessarily on the comedy aspect uh, because I don't feel... A am I wrong in that, though? Hopefully you didn't no, get offended I, with that not, intro. Not even did offended. You, did I miss on that? Or is that something that was intention? Yes and no. So there's... I have two different, like, I released two episodes for one case, right? So I released the episode itself, which is very serious in nature, very straight to the facts. And then I bring on a guest for an aftermath episode is what I call it. And that's where my guests and I will sit and we'll talk about the episode or whatever it is. And that's where the comedy aspect comes in. Not necessarily comedy, but with humor and we joke and we just kind of banter back and forth because in my opinion, the story itself, I don't feel should have a distraction, whether it be going back and forth with somebody or joking around about it. So let's share with the audience, for those of you guys who haven't, I would encourage you to go listen to um, the Jury Room podcast because I think what I'm hearing, and I didn't realize that they were two different formats, is there's there's one that's very, very narrative-esque. And you you go in and it's it's done really well. I mean, you pull clips from I would imagine news segments. I mean, it's very well done. For my listeners, I am my wife has kind of made me a, a wimp, but I also <laughs> I realize I have to be mindful with the things that I, I enjoy. And it it was very well done. My point in saying all this was that it was like it was kind of it was kind of scary. There was emotion and evocative, and I think the reason I'm saying that, guys, is one thing that we've talked a lot on the show is just the formatting. And I wanted to kind of affirm you or give you some some props. That was really well done because just even the several minutes that I you know spent listening to it, I was I was reminded why I don't <laughs> watch very many scary movies anymore right. so that's something that i took one of the things i have i'm not diagnosed but i'm very easily distracted so when i'm listening to something i want something that grabs my attention and keeps it you know what i mean 
And if there's a lot of background noise or distractions behind the person, you know, the audio quality, stuff like that is bad. I tend to stray away from it and I don't go back to it. So one of the things before I started my podcast was I did a lot of research in audio, how to edit, how to do good quality audio, good microphones, different DAWs to use. I mean, I did the all, all the research to make sure that my audio quality was good. So then my content would stick with people. And so that narrative of just st sticking to the facts, but having ominous undertones is definitely what I was going for. So this is great because one thing that has been emerging and coming up with a lot of the people in the industry that I'm talking about is the need to stress to podcasters, especially newer podcasters, the importance of the quality of your show. And you seem to have nailed that from the get and did did the research, spent the time learning. So my question is, is did you have a background in kind of audio engineering or what was your background and how did you end up making a podcast about So I've kind of always been into true crime since I was a kid. The f one of the first cases I could remember that always grabbed my attention was John Benet Ramsey, the mystery behind what happened to her. And so from that point forward, it kind of just grew and grew and grew. Like I can sit and people who are into true crime understand how old, uh, how old are I'm you? 35. You so, okay. So, so you were like, you I was like a, kid. a kid. I was like a right. 30. So you were like aware when Absolutely. that was happening though. Yeah. You Probably had, like, like you kind of, I like... think it was like 10, 11 years old when that happened. So wow. it kind of just developed from there. Uh, I've always been into like scary movies too. Like as far as, you know, like the genre of movies that I watch. So like I could sit and watch investigate discovery all day long and I can, you know, I, I doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't bother me because I empathize with the victims, but it's one of those things that I just enjoy. And so, sure. And it's crazy because the people who inspired me to start my podcast, I don't even listen to anymore, but that's a whole nother story in itself. But so I started my podcast and I was like, okay, I want to tell, like, I like the story driven narratives and I like to be able to tell the story and keep people entertained that way. At the end of the day, that's what people are turning in for, right? Is entertainment to be able to satisfy that need. You know what I mean? Yeah. And one of the reasons that I was excited to have you on is we haven't really had anybody in the true crime space and it's so, it's so popular and I appreciate you kind of defending your empathy there, but I don't think that that's necessary only for the fact that so many people are into it. You know, I think about my dad, I can't tell you how many times I've fallen asleep to law and order and CSI and, and even my wife, she's, she's very much into, she doesn't do scary movies, but she does a lot of crime stuff. So, um, I get it, right? I get it. It's such it's such a, a big part of what people are into. And one reason I was excited to have you on is because you, it didn't doesn't seem, and you could you once again could push back on this is it doesn't seem like you had a bunch of backers. You didn't have a big sponsorship. You weren't this big influencer or had all you know all went to audio engineering school. It just seemed like you had a passion for for this kind of space, you, you know, saw an opportunity or saw the ability to kind of learn the skill set, and then just kind of jumped into it. And now you're 50 some odd episode, maybe more, but you've been doing this for a year now. So how did that come together? Can you take us behind what actually led to getting it going? Sure. So before I started, I did a, a lot of research, right? Before I started it. And 
like I already said, my main focus was to put out quality content. I didn't have any background in it, none whatsoever. I, my very first episode, it took me, I want to say roughly 45 hours to edit. And I was like, how in the, like, how the hell am I going to do this? That's awesome, by the way. That's so, that's so awesome. Like, <laughs> like what a crazy thing. Right. I'm like, how am I going to put this out? Like, how am I going to do this? I, I don't have 45 hours hours every week to do this like it's like there's no literally way. a full-time job right <laughs> so i'm like okay i'm like so but i didn't give up i just i kept i stuck with it and one of the things early on i i which i still want to do but i wanted to do interviews slash do true crime episodes so i had some interviews early on one of the people that i interviewed he had a small following that helped me that bumped me early on and then as i progressed my editing got better delivering it got better and so it just i kind of kept sticking with it i took a break i think i want to say right at the beginning like march february of last year to just to get myself ahead right i felt like i was constantly behind so i wanted to get myself ahead took a break and then I was going to go to an every other week episode schedule. And then I was like, I don't like that. Let's do. So that's where I came up with the aftermath episode. I was like, okay. I was like, I don't necessarily want to co-host, but I can bring a guest on. I like helping other people within the community. Right. So my platform might not be big, but it is growing. So it's one of those things. If I can expose my listeners and help somebody gain even one new f listener, that makes it worth it for me. So I bring on a guest, we discuss the episode, we joke back and forth, whether it be a friend and by friend, I mean, I've met a lot of podcasting friends, so that's helped, but I'll bring them on. We talk about the episode and the downloads for both episodes seem to be relatively even. So people for the most part are enjoying them. So that makes me happy. That's it's such a great point, A, because we've talked about this, and so it's affirming me and making me believe that I'm not totally wasting people's time here. Because one thing that I, we have an episode called How to Almost Double Your Downloads Without Doing Twice the Work. And, and, it, and essentially, the premise of it was just finding a way to, to change your episode styles and just to sort of find, like you said, one of them was going to be a lot more time intensive, which is your more narrative show. And how long are they? Uh, anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour just depends I, on the I content. thought so it looked it looked like it because I didn't I didn't have a full time to listen through the full thing but I it looked like I was like man I thought you were going to go into an interview after that I, mean, right. I thought it was something <laughs> because that's that's some time and so if there's one format that's taking more time I love how you just you kind of switched it up and there's unfortunately no real way to tell whether or not people are listening at the same degree. I, here's a plea to the podcast industry to figure out some, you know, better ways to track stuff. But, but regardless, you know, on our stats to advertisers on the CPM side, that side of it, it still looks the same. Right. And so I think you bring up a really good point. Talk to me about one thing you mentioned has gone well for you is feed drops. And I don't know that that's something that we've talked about necessarily on our show and and my background was very much in the kind of interview space and very much non not the narrative right kind of on the other end of the spectrum and so you don't see that as often in 
interview shows or you don't see that as often in the business space or the entrepreneur space. But I know feed drops are something that work really, really well in true crime. I've seen it in you know other narrative spaces. Can you talk, you don't have to go into explain everything about it, but can you talk about what that's done for your, for you guys or how you guys have incorporated that into your strategy? Sure. So last year I was approached by a random podcast. It was, I want to say it was like February, beginning of March, something like that. And they're like, Hey, we have this really cool idea, which I guess it's something that they've done multiple times. And I'm a huge advocate for feed drops, especially shows that are similar, but different in nature because you want that cross platform, but they did a April fool's drop. So you put out the episode on your feed and you make it look like it's your episode but it's a different show, it's a different podcast completely. So last April when we did this, so it was a group of three of us. Mine went to somebody, theirs went to some, you know what I mean? Like a big circle. Cool. That boosted my numbers tremendously because now I was able to garner all that attention from the podcast that my podcast went to. So that, that my episode went to. So I'm a huge advocate of feed drops and i've done some with bigger podcasts and i've done some with littler podcasts and and when i do it with a littler podcast or a newer podcast it's to help them out because i want them to grow too like we if we succeed as a community that means we're all doing something right and that's what i want i want other people like we can be competitors but at the same time if we're both succeeding then we're both winning the reality is there's hundreds of podcasts out there, thousands of podcasts. You're not going to be the only one they listen to. Why can't the other person succeed with you? You know what I mean? So I've done feed drops. Like I did for the month of December, I did feed drops in the middle of the week, every week as almost like a holiday thing to my listeners. Like, Hey, check out these people. Hey, you know what I mean? And I always do a small introduction, you know, letting people know, Hey, this is what's going on. This is what it is. Check them out. You know, so that way they don't automatically think that it's my episode. And so I'm putting it out there for them to potentially go and listen to someone else. And it, it works, man. I saw a lot of bumps because we swapped episodes and I was seeing a lot of, of spikes in December to justify that action. You raise a really good point just because a big strategy that has been one of the, the hallmark strategies, it's almost played out is guesting on other people's shows. And the challenge is, is for a narrative podcast, that doesn't always fit. A, because the the producer, the host, isn't isn't an interview type guest. You're great at, and, and you're able to do that. And it's obviously a part of your show, but that's not always the case. And then also a lot of the shows in those spaces don't do interviews. I think about one of the shows we work with, it's very much a, a solo rant episode and so they don't really have guests on anymore but doing a feed drop actually makes sense what what about the time that it takes can you also like i'd imagine that it's also helpful to not have to produce a full episode essentially what you're doing is you are taking their episode Right, And you're, you're kind of putting, like you said, your little intro and outro to kind of give it some context. And then you're giving them your episode to 
post on their feed. And so right. that's kind of, it might even be maybe easier for someone who doesn't know, like a feed swap or an episode swap. Like as far as that goes, that's quick. I mean, it's a little two to three minute intro and then that's it. And when I give somebody my episode, I introduce myself, how they can get a hold of me, where they can find me at, because not everybody's going to record an intro to your episode. So I take the time to just introduce myself, say, hey, you know, this is what I am. This is what I'm about. This is where you can find me. This is how you can reach me. Hope you enjoy the episode. Just a two minute, just intro. So then that way there's context to what they're listening to. Yeah, that's a great tip and a great point, especially from someone who's executing it. So is there anything else that you look back on your your journey and you go, well, I'm, I'm glad that we did that or that really worked out or that was helpful in in our growth? You mentioned you know, you had some having people with a, a little bit of a following helped out. Was there any anything else that you look back on that seemed to work or that you're glad that you took the time to do? Or I find that even with podcasting, sometimes things pay off not not always when we want them to pay off. Sometimes things kind of return a little later than than we expect. Is there anything that comes to mind in that regard? I would say if you're if you want to be do a podcast, if you want to have your own podcast and you get on social medias, it, whatever social media platform you decide that's going to be your main focus or that you're going to use, interact and become friends with other podcasters. Like help them. You have no idea. Even if they never help you, just continue helping people because eventually you're going to find someone that's going to help you too. Like it's just, it's inevitable. There's a lot of fantastic people within the podcasting community that know a lot of stuff that I don't know. And so I'm able to ask, and that's just from networking and being friends and friendly and helping them when they need something, whether that be editing something for them or lending your voice for something is that that always comes back, whether it be in the short term or the long term, you're, you gain something, even if it's, even if you don't see it, it's still that fact that you help somebody and that it, it's going to come back eventually. And I think that's one of the biggest things is just being able to help people whenever you can. And if, if you don't have the answer, there's always a way that you can find the answer for them. Yeah. I really enjoy that about the podcasting industry. It's one of the unique spaces where I mean, you can't, it's, it's almost impossible to fill up someone's entire podcasting feed and nor, nor do I think that you would want one person to fill that up. Maybe there's a network out there that's doing a great job of it, but otherwise we kind of, not that we need each other, but we would be dumb to not, not link arms and kind of work together to create a better just ecosystem for our, for our listeners. And so. I agree 100%. And that's why I'm a huge advocate for promo swaps too. It's a a minute, a minute and a half introducing either yourself or just a little something about your show doing promo swaps. Um, it helps introduce you to other people and get your voice out there. It's something that just cross platforming, I believe is, is, is huge for success. If you want that kind of success in the podcasting world. Yeah. I was listening to your show on the podcast app. So I know you're, you're out a variety of places. I'd imagine 
most places, um, the, all the big players. Is there anywhere else that people should go and just stay connected or go and uh, follow up? Or is there any place where there's maybe some, I don't know, other content or material that they might enjoy as well? So not necessarily any content that I don't put out on my platform. I'm a huge, I'm huge on Twitter. I'm very active on it. I do have um, Instagram and TikTok, but something that is going to be coming out here probably in the next two or three months is I'm going to start running an addiction series parallel to my true crime. So something that has always been kind of important to me is substance abuse. I did have substance abuse problems when I was younger, but it's something that a lot of people struggle with. And whether that be them themselves or people that are in their lives, whether it be drugs or alcohol or whatever it is, people struggle with it. So it's not going to be, it's going to be something different, but I'm also going to run it parallel to, you know, staying true to my true client. Uh, but it's something that I feel like now that I've gained a little bit of a platform that I want to try to help people with addiction feel better that they're not alone and so that they can get the help that they need. That's, that's kind of where I'm working at right now. I love it. Such a, a, a beautiful mission, man. And the Twitter is Jury Room Podcast. So at Jury Room Podcast, it is the Jury Room Podcast. Easy. Go search it, listen to it. And um, thanks, man, for for doing this and everything that you've done for the community as well. We just appreciate you you giving back. And and if it hasn't, you know, hopefully you are are seeing the the fruits of that because I know that it's, you know, like we talked about, they don't they don't always return when they when they will, but I'm just wishing the universe to to throw more blessings your way, my man. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. If anybody wants to check me out, it is Jury Room Podcast. You can find me on almost all of the major podcasting platforms and probably then some. Uh, you can reach out to me, juryroompodcast at gmail.com. I'm, I'm everywhere. So anywhere you want to come and try to find me, I'll be there. All right, guys. Come hang out with us on Twitter. Let us know what you guys think. And as always, we appreciate you being part of the NYP fam. We'll see you guys on the next episode.